Brokaf! Hej, hej! All right, John, recording this podcast on a Tuesday, also live on YouTube. YouTube actually got a, 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 like eight minutes of a bonus pre-show coverage, which was just, I mean, riveting stuff. I'm surprised we gave it away for free. You know, Electricity, guy. Electricity. It was lightning. <laughs> it was lightning. That's a joke. Like, you know, when you'd watch Conan or Letterman back in the day, and you could tell they made a joke that only the people in the audience understood because of something else they'd said before the show actually began recording. Uh, and then they'd always like show some guy in the crowd from like Nebraska. He'd be like, oh. <laughs> he was like the butt of the joke. No one on TV understood what was happening. It was a joke for 200 people on a TV show that's like, you know, the number one TV show in America. So. At three, at three, at three in the afternoon. Yet we were watching it at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some, some, just some dude from, you know, Mississippi. Do you, think mo- do you think most people knew when they were watching late night television shows that it wasn't live? I bet not. I think I say this all the time about my parents' generation. Like the biggest difference, they were probably it was just way different. I don't think they knew a lot. Like just a lot of basic things that and maybe it's just over time you get more information. Maybe they didn't even think like that. I, I just don't even think anyone would pry, like, is this live? Like I, I mean, there like, are the, times we'd be like, All right, we're going outside to kick a football and it would be the middle of the day. Yeah, I think you knew that stuff was recorded, obviously. But I would imagine, because I know as a consumer, when I was like 10, 12, 13, 14, watching David Letterman, I just assumed he was on television. Yeah. It took just, a while do you to think Johnny Carson did the same? I would imagine they all did the same, yeah. Because I think Johnny used to go home and watch his show. Like, he was kind of high-strung about it. Gotcha. And Johnny yeah. would watch... In his when sweet he ass wasn't house. On too. On That's the, the thing, too. He was very high-strung. He would watch when he wasn't on... Kind of like someone was got, yeah. I, wasn't Joan Rivers one of his fill-ins? I think, uh, yeah, I think Joan Rivers filled in. Um, little Jewish guy filled in. Who, what was the was little that? Jewish guy that was really that was always talking a lot of shit? Rickles, one of his, yeah. I don't know if he was a fill-in. He was a guest a lot. Rickles was on all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I you think can, Larry Sanders or not, what was Larry Sanders' real name? Um, I know who you're talking about. A couple years if ago. you watch. Johnny Carson's just like they're on Peacock. I mean, they just are doing things that would not. It's Gary just, Shandling. It's oh, pretty yeah, incredible. So inappropriate. Yeah. But it's not not but, even so inappropriate. Just a, just a snapshot in time. No, I heard David Chappelle say, David Chappelle, Chappelle, <laughs> tell Rogan. I think his friends call him David. He, he said this to Rogan. He said, people get so David. up in arms about comedians. And he's like, people... You know, Eddie Eddie Murphy. Some of the things, if you just throw on one of his stand-ups from like 1983. Yes, it's going to make people uncomfortable if they're looking through it from the lens now. But if you look at things like a photograph, like the photograph was taken back then. If the photograph's 10 years old, you don't look the same. Things change. Like, it's not, that's not the way the world works. He says, I don't understand why people... It's like looking at a photograph out. when you weighed 30 pounds more. It's like, dude, you got to lose weight. You're like, it's from 10 years ago. Yeah, I know. It's just, I feel for comedians. Uh, yeah, they're 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 fighting a battle. They're fighting the good fight, though. They are fighting the good fight. Uh, to the to the question of can't you joke about anything anymore? The answer is yes. The answer to that is yes. Okay. Um, before we dive in, few things. Mailbag. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review. In that review, leave a mailbag question, and uh, we will get to that on the uh, on the next uh, mailbag. Yep. 
Also, obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of content up there. All the podcast stuff's up there. We record the podcast live, and then we cut it up for the people that we don't even know. So it's out there. Yeah, share it. Share it. And if you're, uh, did you say if you're on the YouTube, go check out the, if you're on the podcast, check out the YouTube. Yeah. And uh, as always, we appreciate when you guys send links out to friends or whatever. Um, you know, that's always appreciative. I know I was talking to uh, one, I was talking to uh, uh, Cal baseball coach Mike New today, John, former oh. Oakland A. Big Niner guy. Big fan of the content. He wanted to talk about Julio. That's the first thing he wanted to talk about. His team's uh, trying to make it to the NCAA tournament. First, first topic of conversation was what about Julio Jones? That's the. Are they good? Asked me. They're good. They have yeah. They're good. They're on the bubble right now. Maybe last five into the NCAA tournament. So, really good pitching staff. Anyway, how about our buddy uh, AJ last night calling uh, an A's game? Alex Jensen calling <laughs> an A's game. Shout out to that guy. Doesn't St. Mary's suck. baseball alum. At a boy, AJ. That's pretty sweet. Got a homer in the uh, third or fourth inning. I saw they called him out on television. Showed him on TV. I saw the photo of that. Yeah. Did they do that for you? Uh, I don't think they did. No, (laughs) they didn't do that for me, but I did get to do the post-game show. They used to do a thing when the radio and the TV guys would join for the post-game show. They called it the A-Team. And I got to do that. Didn't Fossey fuck with you? Fossey tried to fuck with me, and I had the answer ready, and and Fossey's been cool. Every, well, Fossey's always been cool, but yeah. yeah. He's, he was like, I said something about first pitch fastballs. He's like, how would you know? I was like, because I count pitches, Ray. <laughs> I used to mark every pitch, like fat, first fastball, yeah. curveball, strike, ball. He was like, okay, okay. just You mark pitches? I mark pitches, yeah. How can you tell what pitch it is? Well, if it was a, I wouldn't do it on the first pitch. If you, I would do it maybe on the strikeout. If you could tell curveball, changeup, you know what guys throw. But I would also log every pitch, so you could go back and see, was that a fastball or a ball? Uh, excuse me, a strike or a ball to start in at bat, right? How many first pitch strikes, that kind of thing. Gotcha. God, I mean, would would you say that calling a baseball game is the most labor intensive? Because basketball is just flowing. That's right? labor intensive. <laughs> I don't always do it. Sometimes I do it on radio. I do it on TV. I don't because TV there's too much other stuff going on. Some guys what's do the, it. It takes a lot of work. What's the easiest sport once the game starts? Uh, I mean, I think the easiest sport once the game starts is baseball. Oh, it is. Well, because the rot, like the lineups, like nobody, nobody's running in and out. Basketball, in theory, is the easiest, but basketball's flow is so difficult. Like football has a rhythm. There's a play, then it stops. Then there's a play, then it stops. There's a play. Baseball has a rhythm. Basketball can have zero. I mean, every sport can have no rhythm, but basketball is just, you know, part you're trying to do is you're trying to have a conversation and call the game, the play-by-play of the action, and you can get stuck. Like, it happens all the time. Like, nothing will happen for five minutes. You'll be like, well, John, um, you know, uh, you know, one thing looking at the scores from yesterday, it looks like uh, the uh, fighting Rattlers are playing well. And then, bam, somebody has this crazy <laughs> dunk as your mid-sentence. You're like, no. That was that's the only highlight from the game. Feels so like hockey. It feels talk. like hockey would be a little similar to basketball that way. Just a, it, the flow is just kind of fluid. Yeah, I don't know how you you spend all this time waiting for a goal. You don't want to get caught just like talking about out of town scores or some other free agent. Some guys coming up to be a free agent. You're just BSing about it, and then the only goal of the game happens and you weren't ready for it. So baseball, I think I think if you can, I think baseball in some ways is the hardest, but in some ways football is. I love football. It's crazy, though. There's 22 people on the field at one time. Anything. The worst, my nightmare is like a blocked extra point. Because you're like, it's not Navarro Bowman usually isn't scooping that one up. James William Kirky. It's like in double numbers in college. That's the other thing. College, 
double. No, I was talking to a buddy of mine who listens to the podcast, Ryan Radke, who calls games on Westwood One, and he was like asking me. It was last year. He was asking me like, "Is D Ford going to be active?" And I'm like, "No, but if he is, guess what? He'll fucking look like D Ford. You'll be able to tell in three seconds that it's D Ford. Like, there's only one guy with his number on the field. His name is on the back of his jersey. He's huge. You'll they'll tell you ahead of time that he's active." Football, you've been in college football. There's a million people. You don't know who's who. There's double numbers. Dudes are wearing Velcro jerseys to cover punts because there's too many guys on the The, the, N- the NFL, I would imagine the, doing an NFL game and even just doing like Ohio State-Penn State game is just doing Giants-Eagles versus Penn State-Ohio State is a different animal. Different. Right? I mean, football. <laughs> the NFL, to me, is infinitely easier than college football. Like, how long would it take you? I mean, obviously, you put in a lot of time, but just doing like Giants-Jags. I mean, there are only so many guys that are going to play. Right. Yeah. I mean, and if you gave me like Niners Rams, I could roll out with 30 minutes notice on that. Yeah. I wouldn't do it as well as if you'd had a week of notice. Right. And read but if article, I gave you if I gave you Mississippi State, Iowa I mean, with 30 would... minutes notice and like no spotting board, it'd be oh, I'd be toast. Yeah. You'd be like, how come Kirk this guy doesn't friends know? and Mike Leach coaching their ass off? If it wasn't the quarterback or the running back, you'd have no idea. So anyway. Podcast brought to you by WineAccess.com slash ham. WineAccess.com slash ham. 20% off at WineAccess.com slash ham. Here's what you need to do. And this is what good people do. They think about doing other things for others. Not always about themselves. Think how many people right now in your life you go, you know, he hasn't heard from me in a while. She hasn't heard from me in a while. Does Does my dad really know how much I love him? Does my sister know that I'm thinking about her? You know what you do? You go to wineaccess.com slash ham. You order some bottles of wine. You get 20% off. You can order one super nice bottle. You can order four, you know, $30 bottles. You can order $50 bottles. You can order $100 bottles. You can order whatever you, can order you want. $15 bottles, and they're all good. It's incredible. And you can send it to her, to him, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, within the next couple of days, they'll get a delivery. You and I have gotten them. And you'll be like, oh, my God, Billy's thinking about me. Oh, James, thank you so much. Think how good you'll feel. You'll go, my sister loves me again. My dad knows I still have his back. You know, do that stuff for people. Here's the other beauty of it, John, I think. Look, those are people... You know your lifetime family members and your great yeah, friends. Yeah, it could even be business partners, college friends. But it could that, be anybody. That's the beauty is that people that you wouldn't be buying like uh, you know gifts for every year. Good you point. Can do you can spe- you can make a nice gesture. It could cost you fifteen bucks a bottle. Uh, you can send two bottles. It's easy. You can spend a hundred bucks. You can basically you can get a handful. Uh, you get like six seven bottles. Get the twenty percent off, free shipping, and it'd be like a hundred bucks, and you can send somebody a big ass box of wine that's going to blow them away, and they're going to love it because only one of eighteen bottles makes the cut. One of eighteen bottles makes the cut. Uh, they're like the Alabama of uh, depth charts, and uh, they're all fantastic. Did it for my buddy Steve, college roommate, had a baby. I'm like, you know, he lives in D.C. I'm like, you know, I don't get to talk to him that much. Boom, so, saw you had a new baby boy, James. Send him a couple bottles of wine. Right, no, he Steve. gets a little stressed out and he drinks at night. He was really happy. Mazel. Calls me immediately. <laughs> uh That's great. Great idea, John. And each bottle comes with, if you're uh, you know, a wine uh, unexpert like me, you get the breakdown of the bottle. It tells you what it's good with for pairings and that kind of stuff. So uh, we're big fans of the people at wineaccess.com. Slash ham. 20% off. Wineaccess.com. Slash ham. Okay. So... What do we make of the fact we heard Kyle Shanahan talk about? We heard Kyle Shanahan talk about the the limited number of plays that they ran. 
I think he said 12 plays of seven on seven, 10 plays of team. So not a lot. Garoppolo, two of two passing. Trey Lance, two of three passing. There are a couple times where he was actually asked directly about the quarterbacks, and you heard him talk about Jimmy and Trey. And then it was like, oh, you know, all the guys. But it was Jimmy and Trey. So do we get anything anything we can uh, glean from the way Kyle Shanahan talked about the quarterbacks? Well, I, I saw on my Twitter timeline yesterday, and I laughed. Mac Jones is wearing number 50. And I thought it was kind of a big deal. And then a bunch of New England Patriot fans DM'd me after I posted on Insta Story, kind of just being funny, that Bill always does that. And I guess we've never noticed it because Bill doesn't usually have quarterbacks that matter, that he gives them 50s and 60s numbers, regardless what position you play. And that's a big thing with Bill. Now, Bill's really old school. And I asked, I mean, we talked about, what would that have been on Monday's pod? How is Kyle going to handle this? And I would not have blamed him because I think a lot of, he comes from an old school football family where you just start him last. That's kind of Bill's deal, right? Now, that can be start last for a day, uh, a week of practice. You don't have to start him for a long time, right? This isn't John Wooden, Bill Walton, or Kareem's going to play on the JV team for a year. But Kyle doesn't give a shit. And I, I would say most coaches now, like even I'd say even Bill is a little bit of an outlier still doing stuff like that, though I, I actually appreciate it, like making him wear number 50. Uh, I mean, because he's had a lot of success making guys do that, right? But Kyle's not playing those games. And I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just saying that, like, I wouldn't, if you would have told me that Josh Rosen got the reps or Nate Sudfeld, I would have not said Kyle's crazy. Like, right. you know, you got to earn it. It's the NFL. He's not playing that game. And, and I think we had talked about it wouldn't be weird for him to start with the twos because, like, what's the elephant in the room? They just traded, they flip flop picks and traded two extra ones. Like, Trent Williams knows that. George Kittle knows that. Kyle Juszczyk knows Like, they all saw it happen. There's no, even with Mac Jones, like, he did just fall to them. I think when you trade up, the farm, even like players understand if you just trade a one for a player, but the amount, like they understand how much they just dealt for this guy. Yeah. What's the point, you know? And, and clearly, I, I don't know if he would have just thrown him out there if he wasn't truly mentally ready and making a fool of himself. Maybe he would have and just let him learn. I clearly doesn't feel like Kyle's worried about that. No. Uh, and, w- and one thing on that, by the way, here's a tweet from uh, Chris Biederman who said, not much to glean from the battle today. Five reps in full team drills for Garoppolo, six reps for Trey Lance. Um, so there's just your, your in a short amount of reps, there's the there's your, the media reps. Um, one thing Shanahan said, right, was like, yeah, you do just want to, you're putting a guy out there in a shotgun in a position he's never been. You're just, at, you're asking him to call a play in the huddle in a way that he's never called a play in a huddle before. So you do want to see how he handles those basic things. And I thought he handled them well, but you know, it's not anything dramatic. The key is you throw a bunch of stuff. I try not to judge guys too much in OTAs. This is Kyle, right? He said, I try not to judge guys too much in OTAs. You just throw a ton of stuff at them. You let them go for 40 days. Then you come back and then you really start to see what you got. Like, what did they, what were they able to retain from what you gave them? And um, how did they get better in the time they were gone? So that's part of this would be a waste, right? It turned like listening to him talk. Part of it would be a waste if he's throwing all that stuff at Josh Rose and Nate Sudfeld. He, there's not a lot of reps. He'd be doing Trey Lance a disservice. He'd be doing himself a disservice if he really wants to have any chance of seeing a competition when camp begins. It's the right thing to do. You know, and I even using the Mac Jones parallel, Mac played how many games this year? It felt like 15, right? Alabama. He yeah. got like Trey did not play this season. So his reps just as a player were all workout reps. 
right? He just trained in LA or wherever he was training. And then the off season was basically just an extension. Like his lead up to the draft was basically an extension of his fall where Mac and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, like played seasons, right? So they just, they are in football mode where him, what do we got? <laughs> right. I mean, it, he did play the one game in the fall, but it's not even fair to judge him on that thing. And he's such a young player that, yeah, you just let him go. I guess my overall point, though, is some coaches might have handled it a little different. And I, I do think some old school coaches have probably just changed their mentality over time. Because I think Saban is a good example. It was probably much harder on the 2003 LSU team for a freshman to start the starting to crack the starting lineup. And I bet if you talk to him in 2003 or 2004 in his LSU office, and this is he was getting legit dudes at high school, the way he would talk about offense and younger players is dramatically different than if me and you were sitting in Saban's offense now and talking to him, right? You yeah. just, you progress. And where I think Belichick, he still has like the McCourty's, Hightower, like core guys on his team. Like there is a standard there, the way they do things that all of a sudden like rookies don't have to wear 50s. If I'm Dante Hightower, I'm like, what the hell, man? Right? That's just part of the culture. People, the, you're saying he's got people who have been there the, like quote unquote the whole time. Who would have done this if the culture loosened or changed? Well, if I'm Devin McCourty, it's like, well, when I was a rookie and I'm going to get my number retired here one time, I wore 66 in OTAs. And I've been a 10-year starter for the program, right? How does it feel if you're the – you know what sucks about that? (laughs) If you're the actual guy that wears 66 and you're like, wait a second, I'm the starting right guard. That's my real number, and this guy's wearing that number as a joke? It's bullshit. The thing with offensive linemen, I don't really care. You're the middle linebacker. I wear fifty, and you guys think it's funny that this guy's wearing fifty. That's my real number. You guys, that, that guy might that, that that guy might get worked up. <laughs> it's a good point. I I mean I think you know over time, one a couple things have changed: the urgency, and really the the uh, proficiency with which young players contribute. There's an urgency to play them because you know careers are shorter. Pressure is well, not, careers aren't shorter. I mean, coaching tenures are more tenuous, um, and you're making. Even if you're not making free agent money right away, you are making $6 million right away, right? That's not yeah. the most on the team, and it's not a lot by quarterback standards, but we are just paying you a lot of money. Our preference would be that we the money we're paying you goes to like you know you actually improving and maybe even <laughs> yeah. being ready to play. So I, that's one aspect of it. Um, and you know, I also think we've seen it in recent years. Ky- Kyle's done it with a rookie where RG3 played right away. Uh, uh, you do want to know what you have sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm and all for with it. Jim, and here's the other thing with Jim, even if you're not thinking about trying to get Trey Lance to win the job, you do need him to be ready to be your backup quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo has yeah. been hurt. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point with the finances. You know, you have to look at everything, what's best for your football team, but these are clearly your two best quarterbacks and you're factoring in Jimmy makes twenty twenty one. This kid, whenever he officially signs, is going to be six seven. I, technically, he's going to get a big bonus and it gets prorated, but you know it's going to average out to six seven million dollars a year. Like, look at your investment. Those guys, and rightfully so, deserve every rep. Like, I, sucks, and this guy's career is closer to over than it is resurrected. But like, we don't need to see one Josh Rosen pass. Right? If you're Kyle, I mean, I'm just saying. Eventually, like when I have an unlimited amount of reps at practice. He can battle to be the three or him and Sudfeld or whatever, but like I, I'm not worried about him, right? And that's the thing. You and I were talking yesterday after the pod, I think, 
about the transfer portal. And I, these are things that college coaches would have to think about. Like, you know, we got to get this kid a rep too. We got to get this guy a rep. Yeah. That's the group. That's the best part about the pros. It's like they're, your, your contract is your feelings, right? <laughs> Unless you're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but even it is, to, but, but I'd say Gudikins would say, well, yeah, I mean, we don't have to trade you, buddy. <laughs> well, like, and, your, and, your contract, Aaron, there, there is no transfer portal. Yeah, look, part of if Aaron had signed a brand new extension last year with a bunch of guaranteed money, his contract would be he'd feel differently. Yes, right. It represents um, on YouTube. TWM06 says if Jimmy gets injured in the preseason, does Trey Lance 100 percent start Week One? I would think so. I mean, you know, we got to see a little bit just to make sure. If you're Kyle, you want to see just a base level of of preparedness. But I would think, given the Kyle has before adjusted what he intends to do generally to start a rookie right away and succeed with RG3. I don't think there'd be much question about it. It'd be a bad sign if Josh Rosen or uh, Nate Sudfeld's rolling out there, right? Well, put it this way. Josh Rosen spent last year on a practice squad. Nate Sudfeld is viewed so highly that when he came into the game week 17, the entire NFL landscape thought the Eagles were tanking, guy. <laughs> like that's, that's the way it worked. They thought the Eagles were tanking. Those are your, those are your two options beside Trey Lance. So... I'd say unequivocally, one million percent period point blank, Trey Lance would start. And today, I mean, guy, they don't even know what they're doing yet, and he's already out there. So, yeah. Good sign. Good sign. Okay. What is this sign? No Nick Bosa at Niners uh, OTAs on Tuesday, May 25th. The question, I was like, why is Mayoko asking the question this? I mean, I Mayoko, the question was, where's Nick? As in, like, where in the United States is Nick? Not why wasn't he on the field? And the answer is glad he left it to the United States. In Florida, Kyle Shanahan said um, he's got a good setup out there. The guy who works out his knee is there. He's working out with Joey. We didn't want to take him off his routine. He is going to come out here at some point. But I think he said, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he said we're not going to put him on the field when he does come out here. We fully expect him to be ready for training camp. So it does sound like uh, Nick Bosa will come out at some point, but they're not going to put him on the field before training camp. Yeah, I, I wrote down, he said ready for training camp, which to me is a good thing. Now, it's easy to say that now. I I, I would say, like for me and you, that we're going to, obviously we talk a lot about Nick Bosa. That to me is probably the biggest question mark going into training camp. Like, is he full go when training camp starts? Or do they still have to ease him in? Because he had a pretty devastating knee injury, right? My number, I wrote this down when Kyle said... He's in Florida. Everything's going great. It made you feel a little bit better like he's out there with Joey. So clearly, Joey wasn't at Chargers practice yesterday. Uh, Not a great sign if you're the Chargers. Understandable if it's Nick. They're kind of treating him like an NBA player. Like, yeah, you know, he's just, he's good enough. We know we need him. He's good. We, We talk. He's fine. Like it was, it had an NBA type vibe, which... If you're going to get the LeBron, Steph Curry, you know, James Harden type treatment, you better be that level player. And while he only played a year, I would say the equity that he earned in the year uh, with Lynch and Shanahan, I would just say Niners coaching staff is probably pretty high. Like he's so good that rookie year where no one even thinks it's that weird. Even like for I'm making fun of the Chargers. They're like, yeah, Joey didn't want to come. What's anyone going to say? Right? It's like, yeah, he's our best player. Like it's just both of those guys – now, Joey has accomplished more, right? He's just played longer. And Nick's really only done it the year. But his rookie year was so impactful and so freaking good. In some of the biggest games, he was so dominant that you're like, yeah, we get it. Because <laughs> right? I, I would not have had the same reaction. And I, and I don't even know if Kyle would have. 
And when I say me, I just mean like I would be critical of it. I'm just saying the way Kyle talked about it and just kind of visually looked didn't seem worried at all about just him not being there and thinking it was weird. You don't know. No, I, I remember they drafted him after he spent his time working out on his own, not playing with his football team for the most part, right? They drafted Nick Bosa. We, we know that Nick Bosa uh, can be held accountable by his own self and maybe by his brother and his family or whoever trains him, his agent, whatever, right? We Sometimes you worry about a player away from the team. Are they going to get better or are they going to get worse? We heard it a lot with college football last year. And college athletes are different than pro athletes. Um, and part of this was COVID-related, wasn't workout-related. But I think if you talk to coaches in college, they'd say, yeah, we'd rather our guys be here working out here with our trainers where we know the instruction they're getting, where we can just keep an eye on them. Nick Bosa, before they even drafted him, had established that Nick can be on his own. And when I say on his own, I don't mean actually by himself, but with his team and get himself ready, right? Because we saw he that's what he did his rookie year. He was away from Ohio State. He was away from the team. And that was okay. He didn't get fat. He didn't skip workouts. He didn't get hurt on his own. Uh, he did get hurt once he came to the Niners. But like I think we also have a recent history with this guy of being able to do his own thing, and you count that when he shows up, in his case, when he got ready for the draft, he's ready to roll. Um, you know, I think last year, remember, the talk coming into the season with him was that he felt like he was in better shape, given that the year prior he'd spent a lot of time doing kind of the draft circuit, and that all of that taxes your body. It just doesn't – you can't quite be in, you know, uh, fully – uh, dialed in shape when you have the draft, all the stuff that comes with the draft. So I think that's another part of this is like, to your point, in a short amount of time, even though his availability has been, his lack of it at times, unfortunate, I think he has pretty clearly established within the organization that he can be trusted. He can be trusted away from the team to get him to get his body and himself prepared. And one area, and Kyle even mentioned this, where a lot of people, I think, I know I would have, been like, yeah, I got, I got this one red flagged. He has Instagrammed and put out videos of himself working out. If we hadn't seen him and he wasn't around, I'd be like, I, I've been around this long enough. I can't take teams at the face value on top players being MIA, right? That would be a little concerning. Yeah. But I think we've seen enough videos of him just moving around. And Kyle mentioned that on, I think, on purpose. Like, we're not trying to be, you know, secretive here. This is not a CIA mission. We're hiding him out. Like I. He tends to be pretty candid about whatever's really going on, and he was, like, with every question we'll get into later. But given that he has mentioned this player after the draft, and he just went on, like, the Eisens and those type guys, and he was mentioning about Bosa being important, right? And their, their defense, like, he's their best player. Or, I guess, most important player, because he's a pass rusher. I, I think Fred, top to bottom, you could argue is their best player, but... Either way, like if you have an elite pass rusher, that's a game changer for your franchise. Any team, right? Look at the Browns. Like Miles Garrett became a star, and their defense, they feel like a powerhouse, right? Look at Chase I mean, Young. The Chargers. Whenever Joey Bo, whenever I watch the Chargers and Bosa's on the field, like Joey dominates. Khalil, when he was younger and pretty good, I don't know if he maybe he'll be good again. He's kind of mailed it in, but like that that matters a lot. Chase Young is a great example, and they just need this guy to be fully healthy. And clearly, I, I think part of it, too, is some players, you got to earn your stripes. If you've never been injured, I got to prove your toughness. I think with them, back to the NBA player, he's just going to get treated a little differently. 
right? Because he's been hurt now on on their watch before they got him. They just know it's like it's a pretty slippery slope with him, you know, because his injuries like have been pretty devastating over the years. He had the ACL, I think, in high school. The one, the thing you alluded to about him disappearing, disappearing is the wrong word. I mean, he just, him and Urban told him to go train on his own when he had the hernia surgery, but that was a major injury, right? And then this injury, like that's just the hernia thing. And this within basically, it feels like, feels like a year, but it's really more like three, but that's, it's a lot going on for a player guy. Yeah. And, and it also feels like more because he missed some time before his rookie season, right? In camp and OTAs, he had that. He had the hamstring, and then he had he had the second. Was the hamstring? Someone fell on his foot. Yeah, remember? Maybe that one was first, and then the hamstring. No, I think the hamstring was first. The first day of full pads, remember a dude like fell on his ankle and it was like a high ankle sprain, and it was like freak deal, freak deal, and everyone's like, and it was. I mean, it's just the dude. I would say most injuries in the pile, like. It's unfair for a guy to get labeled as injury history. You're like, the dude ran into the back of my leg and like Ronnie Stanley. You're like, the guy fell on my ankle. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? It is freak deal, but when you've been injured a lot, the freak deal, it feels like an injury history thing. Yeah. So then it's he unfair, misses. but it's it's the reality. And well, and and again, and we wouldn't be talking about it if he hadn't missed, you know, most of 2020, which is what happened. And then I think the other thing that brings it up is just that Joey clearly a star but has played two full seasons in five years and so you know if i pretty sure you, pretty sure his dad had an early injury remember like he was supposed to be a big deal and he had an injury john and that's bosa why I, yeah i mean he played 12 games six games 13 games and that was it i don't you know what have round to he was drafted in uh dad bosa was drafted uh, in the yeah 16th overall Joey Bosa's dad was a 16th overall pick. I did not know that. I would have guessed third round. In Rod Woodson's draft, Jim Harbaugh went 10 picks later. Joey Bosa's dad went ahead of Jim Harbaugh. Did you know he was that highly drafted? You know, I probably had heard it one time because they had to be discussed over the course of the two drafts. But no, that was not. If you had asked me to guess, I would have said, you know, closer to the 12th round than the first round. So they had a dad that was 16th. They had a brother who was third. And then Nick was second. That's pretty incredible. Uh, he's also got a grandfather uh, who played from 60 to 66, a great uncle who played from 61 to 69, and a cousin who uh, is in the league right now, Jake Kumaro. Oh, that's uh, the dude that the Packers cut that Rodgers was pissed about. I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was... I'd say the Mannings have him, right? Peyton went one. Archie went two. And did Eli went one. Then it was a trade. That's probably as good as it And Cooper's kid is still, uh, you know, Cooper's kid still has something to say about it. If Cooper's kids end up going number one, it'll be hard to beat one, 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 and two. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that, that would probably, that, that would be hard to, that might be unprecedented and unbreakable territory. If, If right now I said to you, okay, you after five years of Nick Bosa, he's he's had Joey's availability. You wouldn't take that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're as quick to give the hundred million away as the Chargers were. I think Joey was more important to the Chargers brand than like obviously Nick from a football standpoint, but from a way the Niners operate financially, 
there and, and right, you got to factor in infl- you know football inflation. What's it's not a hundred anymore. Is, no, already I'm already a little nervous, but I, but I'm king of this. Why is everyone like? It's like last year. Who was a rookie quarterback last year? We got to get ready for uh, Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert's next contract. It's like guys, they've played one year. They have four more years under that. Con- Can we just take a deep breath? Bosa, you got to prepare for Bosa's contract. He's on year three. We can play out year four. If we need to, you can play out year five. Like, what's the rush? But that's, that's, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar, all going to get broken off this offseason. Do they have to? Or can everyone just play one more year out on a contract? Yeah. Mahomes is an all time outlier. And I think everyone, you got to pay him. There's a franchise tag. But even that fifth year option is worth a lot of money. I just let's just take a deep breath. Yeah. This goes back to my. It's a good point. It goes back to my theory that ever. I think most people like to talk about sports from the GM perspective, not from the coach perspective, not from the player perspective. I think sports are most widely discussed from a GM perspective. How do we cut this guy? How do we trade this guy? How do we draft that guy? Like that is, I think, how most people view. What would sports. we trade for this? We let's get yeah. rid of this scrub for this guy. It, 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 you, because that's more fun than like. Would you have who would you have up? Uh, well, we need that fourth receiver to also be able to help us on special teams today. Like if we talked about it from a coaching perspective, you'd have a lot of those kind of nitty, nitty gritty discussions, right? Well, well, you know, deep down, most people don't want to deal with the players and just other humans 24 7, 365. Like being a coach is hard. There's a lot of interactions with stuff you don't want to do. With Plus, GM, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to go play some golf today. Most people would love to trade or cut coworkers, you know? <laughs> oh my God, it's incredible. <laughs> could you imagine? Yeah, until you see the look on a guy's face, you feel bad for him. Well, I know. I just that's why fantasy's great. You don't have to look anybody in the eye when you play fantasy. You know? <laughs> true. Should we jump to uh, NetSuite here before yeah. our next topic? Okay. Let's tell the people, John, about NetSuite.com slash ham. NetSuite.com slash ham. Do not run your business in quicksand. It's time to jump and graduate from QuickBooks. The bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software that just can't keep up netsuite.com slash ham yep guy netsuite helps you automate your key business processes and close your books in a fraction of the time think days not weeks in fact 93 percent of surveyed organizations increase visibility and control over their business since making the switch from quickbooks mm. everyone quickbooks get rid of quickbooks get with netsuite right now netsuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to graduate from QuickBooks. Time to get in the big leagues. You, you want to stay in double A? You want to get to the bigs? You know, I, I like the bigs. You can hang out in single A all you want. Let's get to the show. Head to netsuite.com slash ham. Change your business forever. The special financing for you graduates that want to get to netsuite.com slash ham. Netsuite.com slash ham. Netsuite by Oracle. That's netsuite.com slash ham. Podcast is also brought to you by indeed.com slash ham. Oh. Here we go. These two things go hand in hand. You're the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is help making a short list of candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps you make life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> yep. Get quality short list of candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your job qualifications. We all know. Listen, whether you're running a bakery, you're running insurance, Agency, you're running a podcast. We all have different needs for the person we want to hire. That's where Indeed comes in. They make it easy to connect and hire the right talent and make it fast and easy because we all want to be efficient. We don't want to waste too much time on it, but we want to get the right guy. It's a hard balance to kind of strike, and that's where Indeed comes in. 
So sponsor right now. Get uh, $75 sponsor job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. Uh, you can choose from more than 130 skill tests. Then you add your must-have requirements, so you only pay for applications uh, that applicants that meet those requirements. Over 80% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post. 73% of all online job seekers in the U.S. Uh, visit Indeed each month. So this is the perfect marriage here, John. $75 credit at Indeed.com slash ham. Indeed.com slash ham. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Get on it. We thought we would uh, do some quick hitters, some things that Kyle Shanahan talked about that um, maybe aren't a full discussion, you know, 10 minutes on their own. I mean, they could be. <laughs> we could talk 10 minutes about uh, the lint, uh, you know, coming out from your, your shoes or something. But we thought we would keep it tight, hit a bunch of stuff that Kyle talked about. We each have a list here that we can rattle through. Uh, do you want to start? We, we can kind of alternate uh, alternate topics here. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm no longer counting on this human being, and I was. I think you and I, we definitely talked about it when they drafted him. Uh, we get asked I'm about him a lot. Su- pretty sure we made a video about him, but Jalen Hurd, we did, uh, is just not practicing. You know, and it's it feels this is not your two now. This is your three, uh, and I've just been around this league long enough to know, like sometimes this guy just got dealt you know, the shitty injury luck because it's just missed his first year. Then his second year, it's like, okay, this is the year. Then he breaks his back. (laughs) You're like, oh, my God. And now he's had missed the entire season where you're like, oh, it's January 1st. It's May 25th. So you've missed the entire season. May, we're almost into 6-1-21. That's six months. That's a lot of time. And he still just can't practice? Like, that's – I'm sorry, guy. I I mean, I'm not – I would like to watch a play, but I'm out. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm expecting nothing. Yeah, I mean, I. I guess one of my questions would be: He had an ACL in August, right? I thought he so, broke his back. Well, he had, he had the broken back. Yeah, but August is when he tore his ACL. I didn't realize he tore his ACL. Twenty twenty. My... He tore his ACL last year. I broken back. I thought. I thought he broke his back. But uh, was he, that two years ago? He had that injury, was rookie year. Okay, and I'm getting I, my injuries mixed up. Yeah, that was the one that came after he had that sweet, you know, remember he had the sweet touchdown in the, uh, it was a touchdown, right? You're right. He, he, he tore his ACL in practice. So, yeah, we're talking about, so Jalen Hurd, does he? A little more, little more understanding then. Yeah, right? but again, I mean, like my, my question would be. You see Joe Burrow? Doing, Joe Burrow is at practice today. Yeah, my Jalen Hurd question is, is he the same place Nick Bosa is? Like, Bosa's just doing it at his place. Jalen Hurts just doing it here. Are they at the same point in their recovery? I don't know, right? It's hard to know because they're not together. But we do know that if Nick Bosa was here, he would not have been on the field for the 49ers today. Probably about a month off, right? Because Bosa was the third game of the season, August 20th. That was probably September 20th. Yeah, so you're a difference of 30 days. This should be around the same period. Yeah, I, I saw Joe Burrow just throwing a practice today. And he was five or six games into the season with a devastating knee injury. But to me, it's just it's hard for me to depend on this guy. Yeah, and part of it is you don't like uh, Nick Bosa's been healthy long enough for me to know what you should be getting when he comes back healthy, right? When Bosa comes back from injury, I know what it's supposed to look like. We don't really even have an idea 
when they drafted Jalen Hurd, the question wasn't, does Jalen Hurd ever healthy? The question was, is this guy good enough to contribute? He changed positions. So we don't even really Remember? know that, right? He was a running back at Tennessee, transferred to Baylor, played wide receiver because he didn't want to play running back anymore. So this is a guy that had a pretty, like, it's a pretty strong, you know, position change. And it worked. He had some success at Baylor. It was a fascinating prospect at Baylor. And then all of a sudden, he hasn't been able to work on his craft because of a broken back and a torn ACL. So it's just one of those things in the NFL, you can't make the club in the tub. Part of the reason they say that is because guys not in the tub at practice are just getting better. Kyle right. kind of alluded to that today. Like part of playing football is like you got to practice football because really you practice infinitely more than you play this sport. I guess now in most pro sports, that's the case. But like in, in, co in college basketball, right? If I just went to like uh, Mick Cronin and we were just bullshitting, I bet UCLA basketball practice. He'd be like, a lot, "You want to come right? on the staff? You fit all the requirements." <laughs> Bald. But do you, don't they practice a lot in college basketball? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you they practice the practice. day of the game in college basketball. Yeah. I guess NBA kind of shoot around too. But. You you just got to get better at practice, and he just hasn't been able to practice. Yeah. Like it might be difficult for him to make the team, even if he quote unquote is healthy. They keep signing. They keep adding receivers because they can't right. depend on guys like this. They got they got five running backs. They got twelve receivers. I mean, they got a lot of guys. Uh, speaking of injured guys, D Ford been here since February, quote unquote, and made a lot of strides. Is what Kyle Shanahan said today. But it's sensitive because it's a back injury, and that is sensitive. Sounds like he'd been there a lot because they sent him home at one point in time because he'd been there too long. Kyle said to see his doctor um, and maybe see his family a little bit. Um, so I, I give, you know, I give D Ford a lot of credit. It's not for lack of effort, but he's played in, you know, he played in one game last year. He appeared in 11 games the year before, though it doesn't quite feel like that was the case. And the tough thing with him is it's, you know, Jalen Hurd has an ACL. I, I know what it looks like when that's healed. This doesn't. I know there's really not a lot of optimism that whatever D Ford's dealing with in his back can just ever go away for good, right? It doesn't feel that way. I think they would gladly sign up for 2019 D Ford, right? The 11 games, and he, I think he had seven or eight sacks. Like he was a product. He was forced. Just, you felt his yeah, presence. Forced a couple fumbles. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm probably more now that I know it's the ACL, not the back. I would say Jalen. I'm more bullish that Jalen Hurd makes a play than D Ford ever plays a snap. And the problem yeah. is, remember, when they were in their kind of money predicament, they moved some of his money back. So it's like he's not. They can't just kick him to the curb for free. Right. He's not going anywhere. I mean, where he may go is injured reserve again, but that's like they have to keep him. Because I would would you would you agree if D Ford was zero cap casual, you know, had zero dead money, whatever. They would have cut him this offseason, obviously. Yeah. Yes, because they have no, I mean, they're optimistic because you have to be because they don't have a choice. I shouldn't say they're optimistic. They're still trying because they have to because they don't have a choice. But I don't know how optimistic you can really be, although you appreciate the effort from the guy. Yeah. Um, but Kevin on YouTube says about, uh, I heard he had numerous concussions at running back. That's part of why he moved to wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, the the, the beat that what scouts had said, it, it was more that that's part of it, but it's I, people questioned some stuff with him. Like he was not, he, he was a question, there was just some question marks behind it. I don't think it was as black and white as what's been reported. Let's just say that.
I, I, I don't want to say it because I don't have all the information off the top of my head. And clearly, it's been out of sight, out of mind for a while. But I, I don't think it was as black and white as that. I think there was some Tennessee getting him out of there. He's a very talented player. Like, most guys couldn't make that transition. Part of it is he wasn't a running back size. I mean, you and I remember going out to that first practice. He's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'4". Like, that's not most – That's the, he'd be the tallest running back. In, like, this isn't the O.J. Simpson days when running backs were 6'2", 6'3". Most of them – feels like most running backs now are, like, 5'10 to 6, six feet tall. Like, Trey Sermon is on the big end of, you know, running backs. So, yeah, it just – Tennessee, not a bastion of stability either. One of the worst jobs in America. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, do you have another one? I've got a couple more here. Uh, just, and listen, Kyle never goes that in depth on the contracts, but this is what I was saying about just quick to sign everyone. I think ideally you just want to get good players signed, but like if Fred Warner plays this year, like to me, if I'm the Niners... It's like I'm not offering Fred Warner a historic deal, right? And it's risky because he has one year left and he's a third-round pick. Like, I, I give him a lot of money, but I'm not probably giving him the amount that he – or, I mean, him, like his camp wants. And I just – I could see that them being a little off money-wise. Like, we're just not going to give you $60 million guaranteed, but you offer like, hey, we'll give you we'll give you the deal. Buy out that last year. And that's usually why I think sometimes that you see – remember a couple years ago, Michael Thomas held out. Now, he was so important. Like, if Fred really wants to get what he wants, the move is pretty simple. Do not show up when training camp starts, right? We said that about George. If you're going to want your historic amount of money, because the Niners typically get pretty good discounts with Bo- go back to Bowman and Willis, you got to hold out. Because I, I would imagine the Niners are not offering as much cash as people would assume. Well, that's how we saw things play out with Kittle, right? And ultimately, George Kittle's rich. But I know, it's Zinni's. But if he had held out, I actually have a, a, a friend who just did a business deal with Zenny, uh, but uh, not in the same realm that um, that we are. But uh, give me some interesting. Um, yes, that's a major company. Because uh, I was like, well, have you noticed all the money? And they were like, well, I'm spending money. Um, you get a contact. Could he give you an email? We could reach out. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll follow back up. I think I could get maybe a connection to the uh, to the head of the company. But. Um, uh, a Fred Warner, you know, I think well, I know what most people think when you hear Kyle Shanahan say, uh, Fred's a guy I plan on being here forever, right? Like he's the kind of guy you want to build around. It's similar tone as, you know, what you said about Buckner. And, uh, I think he meant it about Buckner. The difference was they kind of felt like in that draft clearly, cause we've, I'm just basing on the way they operated two things. One, okay. Armstead and Kinlaw, we can kind of build this up. They don't really have the same – there's nowhere else to go right now if Fred Warner's not – now, maybe next year you could find the guy. But right now, there's no clear path to, like, replace Bo- Bowman ain't walking through that door. That's, <laughs> that's – well, he did last time we were there. Two years ago, he was there just to visit and say hi to some people. Remember that? Didn't we they give him a standing O? Was that, was that when he retired as a Niner? That was when he retired as a Niner. Who gave him a standing yeah. O? Well, remember, he walked out to the huddle and then like, the on place the, during, came around yeah, and clapped yeah. him on the field. Yeah. Yeah, he was wearing his Louboutin. I remember, it was got a little weird when Kyle cut him, so yep. it was a little mending of the fences. Yep, but we still thought he had, he felt like he had some football left, and he did play some more. But you know, you understood okay. it. Um, but there's no, you know, Fred, that's the leverage Fred has is this, they're not trading to the Colts for a first. 
to get well, somebody to me, some that, linebacker. Back to what I said, guy. His move, if he really wants to get an extra 5-8 guaranteed, do not show up. Right now, it's not as relevant. When training camp starts, do not show We say it all the time. That is your one true... Like it, I'm not expecting Aaron Rodgers to show up, are you? When training camp starts? Uh, well, considering that uh, he was in Hawaii for OTAs... <laughs> But it's no. but that's that's not that crazy. It's I not mean, it's that not. crazy. But like, if Kyle had said today, yeah, Nick Bose is not here because he's boycotting OTAs, I'd be like, well, right? Yeah. But but Rogers is asking for a trade. My my point is on Fred kind Warner. Rogers is just in the people yeah. business, John. <laughs> yeah. I think Fred Warner's the move is to hold out. Yeah, uh, and I'd be surprised. I'd be. I would imagine. No, I don't expect. I don't expect him. It. Hey man, look, we, you saw what happened with Kittle. George, go talk to George. George seems pretty happy. You do the, you, you know, you do what we view as the right thing, and we'll do the right thing by you. And he'd be like, "Listen, you get thirty from the Niners. You get just you got to give the bank account a number, but Zenny's they'll give you eighteen, and it's like it all equals. You know, actually, yeah. I am the highest paid tight if end. George, league, but no one Fred, knows. It. <laughs> if Fred gets like an endorsement deal from a company that suddenly pops up with a bunch of Niners billboards, like at the same time, you're like, like, wait, Fred. Fred owns Leeds. Fred Warner yeah. is the majority stakeholder in Leeds soccer. Or if you just tr- you just turn on your television during like a Giants game, it's like, I'm Fred Warner. Let me tell you about LinkedIn. You're like, okay, <laughs> something weird's going on here. <laughs> um, uh, other piece of uh, of uh, little news, I guess it was it'd been kind of rumored, but Kyle Shanahan confirmed that the um, Weston Richburg, the offensive lineman, is going to retire. Obviously, didn't seem like they were caught off guard by that. They've they um, they've drafted in a way, and not even drafted in a way. They they do look pretty prepared to handle that, so that doesn't seem like a shocker. Jim McElwain, Colorado State, that was like one of his big dudes. That's right, you know that was a that was a guy. That's right. So I think those it are just, kind of I, the, the basics. I, yeah, you know, it's one thing to like tear an ACL cutting, right? Achilles, like that happens to humans, whether you're playing football, whether you're playing pickup basketball at the Y. Like, I, I think there is just, I view it, Dr. Middlecoff is like a tire. It's just bound to pop. There is something with being an O lineman, a D lineman, or even running backs in that little pile where it's like, my career ended because I had six guys total weighing 2,000 pounds fall on me and I bent back the wrong way. It's like, Am I injury prone or did I just have Trent Williams get tossed by Khalil Mack into my knee when I was looking the other way, <laughs> you know, it's like ended my career. I, I feel those offensive linemen, when you hear like Schlereth and some of those guys talk about their shirt, can you imagine when you hear like running backs and stuff, uh, running backs get to, but maybe like a corner where it's like, you didn't even tackle or whatever. Like you understand the pain I feel in my knee. I'm 51 years old. I'm in great shape. I can barely walk. I'm always around the action. There's always 20 people around me, right? Always um, people fall in the wrong way. They're heavy. They're so powerful. He had, he, They're- he had the torn patellar tendon. Then he just had hip surgery. I, a <sighs> buddy of mine who's super tight with Joe Thomas, because I was like, how does this guy, la- like, is he just lucky? Or He said, well, one thing, Joe is like super Thomas. Like a really flexible guy, so like his ankle flexion, his hit. Like Joe is a super athlete. He never missed. A, he never missed a snap. Never for like missed 10 a snap. Yeah. And he's like, well, one. Th- he's like, first things first. Like, yeah, Joe is physically probably built pretty well to you know some people. The way you get hit, if you're extra, if you got extra flexibility, you might be able to take a hit that somebody else can't take. That 
I would. I'm, I have no flexion in my ankles or my hips. Like I'd be screwed. And they said, yeah, part of it is the NFL. You just got to get lucky that people aren't falling all. You, know, you just don't get hit the wrong way a time or two because it's. You're right. You see it so many times, and it's always offensive linemen, and it's like. You know, they got the camera on the running back that just ran for six yards. Meanwhile, some offensive lineman needs three other offensive linemen to help him up, and no one's paying attention. And uh, in D- many ways, D-tackle, D-tackles, too, you know, when they're driving to the side and he's holding totally. and his leg gets shattered. It's just I – mean, it's like you're – I don't think they get enough respect. They don't. You know what it's like? It's like you're driving on the highway and nobody has side mirrors. It's like you're just hopeful that the person who you're about to try to pass isn't going to try and change lanes without looking. Because they're not going to see you, and you're toast if it happens. Yeah, and luckily in the NFL, like the linemen, if you didn't have side mirrors, but you, they're all like Humvees, right? They can handle just bumping in. It's right. when a guy comes flying across, uh, you know, uh, an 18-wheeler head on. You're like, well, I, I'm a Humvee, but the 18-wheeler is going to win here. Yeah. Trent Williams and Khalil Mack tangled coming at me. I mean, bye-bye patella tendon. My dad tore his patella fly fishing in like the late nineties, it's really bad. Like it's, it messes your knee for like, it's the ACL and the MCL are clearly proven as time goes on to be pretty, you know, the ACL is longer than the MCL, but I think from at least seeing my dad, the Patel is the worst of the three by far. Well, how did he do it? Did he like slip? Slipped on a rock. Yeah. Fishing man. Yeah. He had to wait for a helicopter to come get him five hours oh. later. Cause they had, they had hiked into an area. Oh, you know, this is in the probably '95. So, what's the hospital no bill on a helicopter? Well, I, I, I mean, if know. an ambulance he is was, nine thousand, what's a chopper? Well, think about this guy. He was in New Zealand, and uh, the doctor told him that they could do the surgery there, but you were going to have walk probably with a brace or a cast the rest of your life. He's like, that doesn't sound right. So he had to fly home on, you know, in a wheelchair, and he ended up getting the surgery in like UC Davis Med, which was obviously the way to go. Could you imagine being like pressured into a bad surgery in New Zealand? Ugh. Yeah, that's, not good. That's brutal. Did he have to wait to fly back for like swelling to go down or anything I, like I that? I don't really remember. I, I remember him being a little bit of a drama queen with it after post-surgery. He just, the, the icing and stuff. It's like, come on, bro. <laughs> but it was a serious injury. <sighs> okay, Julio. Julio Jones. Kyle Shanahan was asked about Julio Jones, uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked about Julio Jones during his press conference. Uh, he said, you know, I'm not allowed to talk, uh, legally talk about players and other teams, so I can't a- answer that exactly the way you want. Anyone I've coached in the past that I have a relationship with, especially a great dude like Julio, obviously I have a ton of respect for. But yeah, we're always interested in improving our team. We'll never just say, hey, we're done. We can't improve our team. You always try to make it happen. But it's harder when you've already given up some stuff to make some new moves and things like that. Everything's got to fit in. It's got to make sense. But, yeah, I would never just say we're done. Of course, he's talking about draft capital. It's harder when you've done the trades that they've done, Trey Lance, whatever. Now the stuff that you do have, the draft capital you do have, is um, is more valuable to you. So uh, how do you – I mean, it would have been great if he would have just called Julio and put him on speakerphone, but he didn't. So, you know, I – I don't know that's anything different than what we've said, but I I don't know. I don't feel like Julio Jones is about to be a 49er. Yeah, I think they're in a tough position, Guy, because what do you do when you have clearly some really expensive players, right? I know that their quarterback by next year will be cheap, but they just paid a premium for their left tackle. 
their tight end still makes a lot of money. Their middle linebacker is going to get paid a lot of money, right? So they're going to try to probably use the money like that they don't have on buying guys in free agency where you go, you know, we're going to give up our second and get Julio, which I'm not opposed. Like I, I, I do think when you just think about what would the Rams do? What would Seattle do? They wouldn't hesitate. So I, I'm not opposed to doing it, but you and I talked about it earlier this week. It's just, it's one of the conversations. Like if you're the Rams, you're already so far in, right? You know, it's like, well, throw an extra chip on the table for this hand. Like, what, what are you even talking about? For the Niners, you're, you're still thinking, like, we're going to be really be able to do it for the next five or six years. You know, we got to balance trying to win it all now to try to, like, build a powerhouse for, like, the next three years. And maybe Julio can be a part of that. But are we going to get into a bidding war, right? Because that's the thing with Julio. There, there's a bidding war. You know, there, there you would not be alone. So even if you offered a second, is there a chance second doesn't get it done? I saw Breer wrote that ideally I think they want a first, but more than likely factor in the money. Like, does he end up going for like a second and a four? Would it shock you if he went for a second and a three? I saw one of like, uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons took a Breer quote because he had talked to Matt Ryan and just went under no circumstances. Can we trade Julio Jones less than we trade? Who's the dude? uh, Who's the guy? Kyle mentioned him. The, the wide receiver that the Patriots traded for from the Falcons. He's on the Niners. Mohamed right Sanu. Yeah. Do you know, they traded a second and a third round pick for him. So the Falcons blog was like, listen, I get it. Trade deadline. But like, you're saying Mohamed Sanu is going to go more for Julio Jones. Like, I don't give a shit that he makes. Like, he doesn't make $100 million. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, the the, dif- the difference, I would say, is it that... It was trade deadline. It was desperation. Also, I, you're... Tra- like, part of this is don't... You guys try to unload Julio's contract, right? But his contract... But my point is his contract's well, not I, that crazy. I know. I know. But that's the line that's been pushed. And it's like, if Julio just requested a trade, it's easy for the Falcons to just say, yeah, hey, we want to keep Julio, but Julio wants out. But 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 what I'm saying is, is it crazy to think that the Falcons, even though they weren't part of that trade, like the new GM, that they go, listen, Mohamed Sanu was traded for a second and third. Like, that's the going rate for Julio, second and a third. Like, that, that's where you get to a number where it gets a little more difficult for the Or is it a second and like, a fourth, and then if he plays, you know, 14 games, it becomes, or 12, whatever the number is, then it becomes a third, something like that. What about it's like a conditional second that can turn into a one if he gets 95 catches or something? Yeah, I mean, that's... That would not feel good because the point of getting you know, him is for him to have 94 catches going into week 17 and then getting benched. But my like, point we got to win Niners, the game, but they don't even have the one to give. I know it'd have to be a future. It would be like maybe Atlanta gets to choose. They want the future two or like the future, future, future one. Um, that's not a position you'd want to be in. But you know, I, this is where it's interesting that you have. To me, if they don't trade for him, it is a I don't want to give Kyle too much credit for whether they do or don't, but there is some, like Kyle's in charge of that. Like this is a guy that Kyle loves a guy that Kyle knows he can win with. And Kyle ultimately gets to decide whether or not they trade anything for Julio Jones or not. Right now, clearly yeah. this is not, even though Kyle has the final say, this is not a dictatorship. Like I, you know, without fully knowing everything that happens behind the scenes, I'm sure there's pulls and tugs and disagreements, but I don't. You don't watch them and think Kyle Shanahan's just doing everything he wants to do against everyone else's wishes, right? Like if Kyle said we're doing this, 
and Adam Peters and Parag and John Lynch and the whole crew were like, Kyle, I'm telling you this, is, you know, I, I don't know what would happen. Um, depends how strongly he believes in it, but it just, it just, you never, when you have a coach who's in charge of everything and who has a player that he coached previously, if this were year one of Kyle, let's say this were Shanahan's first year, I think we'd be talking like, what's Kyle going to do? Is Kyle going to overextend? Is Kyle going to undervalue draft capital because he really values Julio? I don't know. Now his recent history, I would say, you know, I don't think Kyle's going to do that necessarily. Like trade, I'm talking like trade a two that could become a one or something like that. Would he trade something that looks like value? I think it's possible just because I do think Julio is still a really good player. So I think you can you could justify it, but uh, but it'd be it'd be really dependent on you winning games because if that pick turns into a really good pick, it'd be a disaster. I th- I just think there are so many teams, even a team that like we never mentioned, like the Tennessee Titans, that view like well you put Julio with AJ to go with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and Vrabel, like why aren't we competing to win the AFC or like you know to be the be right there with the Bills as the second best team. Right, I mean, there are obviously we talk about the Colts a lot, the Packers. Like, there are other good teams. Like, financially, it factors in. You need money, but you know, the Ravens haven't done anything too crazy in a while. Like, just yeah, we'll give you a second and a third for Julio. Right, we still got Lamar on the cheap contract. Like, would that blow you away if they made that? You know, it's just teams are there are a lot of teams that we don't even mention that like would make sense when you just kind of talk it out, right? Yeah, I do think one of the questions is. You know, we heard what Julio told Shannon Sharp about the Cowboys. Says he's not interested in being a Cowboy. Um, says he wants to win. They're not probably not interested in Julio. They're probably not, no, they're not. <laughs> but uh, we can never count Jerry out. But um, you know, I guess one of the unanswered questions here is: to what degree does Julio want to control his destination? You think I overpaid Dak? Watch him throw for seventeen touchdowns a game. <laughs> uh, you're giving up forty-eight points a game. Yeah, but. But I got Dak, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari on my fantasy team, and I'm just crushing it. Their, their offense stacking. would be and ga- Their offense would be sweet. It would be maybe, maybe I shouldn't I discount them. Maybe I shouldn't discount them. But, you know, I, I do think that's one thing that we don't really know. Um, as time went on, we found out with Trent Williams, it seemed like maybe there were two teams, and he picked that he'd rather be a Niner than a Viking. We don't really know. What, what, like, when the news with Russell Wilson came out, which nothing's happened since, we had a list. With Aaron Rodgers, we had a list. Um, you know, we don't we don't have a list from Julio. So we don't really know, would Julio try to maneuver his way to San Francisco? Would he be able to do it so that, you know, he says, I don't want to play for anybody else. And so Atlanta, you can either trade me for a third or I'll come back here. And Atlanta's like, well, you know, all these other teams don't want to trade for him because he's telling them he's going to hold out until they give him a, a, a huge extension. So they're not going to do it. Right. And he's told the Niners, no, you don't have to extend me and I'll show up and play and then we can figure it out. Now, I, that seems like a pretty far fetched. I think that's far fetched. But, you know, that's one thing we don't know is like to what degree is Julio going to try and control his destination? He's trying to win. That's one thing. But, I but you just listed a bunch of teams that can win. You listed yeah, Tennessee and Baltimore yeah. and, you know, New England's a favorite. And... It, it's been a weird situation that. You know, when Rap Sheet came out a couple days ago saying that he asked for the trade, it was kind of like the team was like, we're tired of like, we're kind of getting Peyton as the bad guy, and they kind of want it out there. But I think this goes back, we had talked about him earlier this week, Julio's not a diva. Like, to me, if this was Odell Beckham, if this was just one of Terrell Owens type guys over the years, 
you the list would be out. <laughs> you, we would be breaking down the list for a week, a month. That's not Julio's DNA. Like, when have, has anyone just, if you're listening to this, ever heard Julio talk? Like, he's, I think what made Julio such a pretty cool star. You mean before star, uh, un, un, first, uh, undisputed? Un, <laughs> yeah. Undisputed? Uh, yeah, you don't. And even then, he didn't say that much. It was Shannon doing all the talking. So it's just, I, I think Julio's probably in a weird way a little uncomfortable. Like, this is not his deal. I don't think he likes all this crap. You know, I, he was, I remember Jim McElwain, when I got hired at Fresno State, Jim McElwain had just become the offensive coordinator when I moved there with you. And it was a, a lot of people took a lot of pride in Fresno. That he just got that job. And it, Alabama was not Alabama yet. It was not, they had not won a championship. I don't even think they had won big, but it was a big deal him getting that, that job for Nick Saban and coming to Pat, right, to get hired. I remember the first thing he did, because he was tight with Drew Hill, who now works at Oklahoma, was telling Drew the first thing he did when he showed up at work, day one, you know, he, they flew out and he went right to work, was to go to Julio Jones' house, who was at Alabama, you know, I think from Birmingham or whatever. They went there with Nick in like a limo. This was back like when you had, you know, in like 08, it was like his first huge recruit. Julio was the number one recruit, I think, in the country. And they got him. I saw PFF tweeted out, just like, Julio's been sweet for a long time. Just some of his high school or college highlights. I saw highlights. that, too. That was a great highlight. It was like, holy shit, this guy. I'm watching that thinking, I've watched all these receivers the last two years. This guy looks like a different animal. Like, Jamar Chase is pretty yeah. awesome, but Jamar Chase is six feet tall. This guy is it's six So four. much bigger than everybody else that was on the field. <laughs> He's huge. So it's just... He's a pretty special. So back to Kyle. Like, I, I, just to finish could, that point, could you just justify it? Like he's just an all-time special outlier. I do think he. To finish your other point, though, I do think he's been kind of underexposed to the point that like I, Julio would be even bigger if he had been on another team, like the Giants or the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Patriots. Yeah, like he's just I mean, on a he's on a market that's just a. It's for being a team that's had some success. They're not like the team that moves the needle. No, it's really kind of weird. And again, he's a massive superstar. Yeah, you again, you could justify this. Like, if the question was off the record, Kyle, do you want Julio on your team? The answer to that is yes. He would say yes. I want Julio on my team. Yeah, I, I won't talk. If they trade a second round pick for him, I won't think they're crazy at all. Even though it is risky, big picture. But I, I think sometimes. It's different in basketball because basketball, clearly, they're not tied to picks anymore, right? They'll trade picks at just crazy paces over the last several years for stars. Yeah. In football, I, I do think there's validity to behind their apprehension to get rid of picks, which you and I have talked about. But even the smart, like, number nerds, like, they even understand it, right? It's not something that a lot of people get. Honestly, you get more heat when you make big trades, right? It's like, damn, they gave up two ones for that. Whoa! Right, more in basketball, it's like wow, you only it almost over it almost overcorrects, right? Although you've had some trades where it's like the Jamal Adams trade is just like okay, but with the Rams undo the Jalen Ramsey deal right now. But I think Pete would say, "Did you see Jamal Adams play? He's the best player on the field beside Russell." And and have you seen us draft? We don't in the first round, (laughs) so whatever. Those are that pick. You know, again, part of it is like we think there's 18 first round picks every year. We're never drafted in the top 18. So we traded a second rounder, an expensive second rounder in our minds. Right? You could easily well, here, think of it that he, way if you were he, Seattle. If you were if you were pro, like you, Kyle wanted to do it, and, and one of the guys is arguing, like, we can't give up this pick. Well, we'd be like, well, if we win a playoff game this year, we just make it to the second round. The second round pick that the Rams, for example, used on a wide receiver, they got 2-2. 
Tutu weighs 145 pounds. Now he's like the fastest guy in the draft. But would would Sean McVay rather have Tutu or would he rather have Julio Jones? Like for every most DK Metcalfs and AJ Greens are not or AJ Brown. Like we can't just assume that's who we would get in the second round. But I've been in these meetings and I have enough friends now. That is what they talk about. They're like, we could get AJ Brown in the second. Well, yeah, but you probably won't. You know. Yeah, but it's also about what else could you do with that pick in terms. Yeah, of and, and and the pr- and the price. So he's a million dollars a year. It, th- there are a bunch of variables. I get it. Yeah, like but if Tutu, I, 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 if Tutu is, you know, sixty percent as productive as Julio this year, and you have it's other pretty players, valuable given their money. Just given the money, it's yeah. But you know, Julio's going to be sweet. I mean, I think I know that. He did get hurt last year, but I think I know that. Yeah. I yeah, I guess you know when he's on the field, he's sweet. Yeah. The the risk, the, really the only risk is injury. Like, if he had never missed a game, I, he might end up going for a first It's But the risk is that it's football, right? Yeah, it's like he's he been he's hurt before, before last year. Been in the league for a decade. Just been really you, productive. You usually don't see 32-year-old position players go for a one, right? <laughs> no, I mean, but when he's you look, an all-time great. Yeah. Would it be that crazy if he went for like one of the top teams? What if Seattle just gave him their first round pick? Well, that's the thing. Is if Seattle does it, you're like, oh yeah, of course they just <laughs> traded a one for Julio. That makes sense. Yeah, should have traded a one for Julio. Is that crazy? It's not crazy for them. I mean, they've established they kind of do that. Hold on, chapstick that would, break. That, that, that would make me nervous if I was the Niners. I know you'd say we don't want to do it, but at the end they. They'd be better. Honest, honestly, I just I bet he ends up on Seattle. <laughs> but that's the reason to do it is to keep him away. Like, can you live like that? Seattle, if they did get Julio, they'd be a fun. Like, if I still played video games, they would be a team to play video games with. Would, DK, uh, would Russell officially Russell? rescind his uh, trade request if uh, if they get Julio? Well, I saw Pete Peter King. I think talked to Pete Carroll. Pete's like, that's water under the bridge. You know, we're just, we're good now. You know, it's just, it got a little weird, but you know, it's high level, you know, it's just classic Pete. It they just, do a pretty a, good job of, they can handle some like heavy waves in the ocean and make it to the island still. Unlike that the Rogers Pete's value that, yeah, yeah. I just think Pete's value to handle like the, the storm is probably like, there is something to be said about older coaches that have been through the ringer. Like, yeah, this ain't my first rodeo here. Russell, calm down, buddy. <laughs> We'll shoot you. We'll shoot you a list of some of the guys in the draft if Russell, you want to watch. Him. Russell had just been to the Super Bowl watching Brady. Maybe he just need to calm down a little too. Yeah, it's like, well, Tom makes the Super Bowl every year, Russell. Maybe it just brought up bad memories for him. Uh, before we go any further, let's tell the people about True Niagen. TrueNiagen.com slash ham. That's T R U N I A G E N. True Niagen fuels the body's energy engines, maintains cellular metabolism, and even supports heart health. TrueNiagen.com slash ham gets you 10% off your first purchase. With 11 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, TrueNiagen is a supplement that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels and essential coenzyme required for cellular energy and repair. Helps muscle recovery after a workout. Gives you some zest, vitality. Right now, new customers save 10% on their first purchase at TrueNiagen.com slash ham. TrueNiagen.com slash ham. 10% off your first purchase. TrueNiagen.com slash ham. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. ButcherBox.com slash ham. 
and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, A-Rod, how about A-Rod giving respect to Kenny Mayne on his way out? Him and, him and Kenny must be, him and, it feels like him and Kenny would get along. Yeah, kind of hippie vibe, both of them. Do you know that Kenny Mayne was making $1.5 million? Uh, you know, I didn't know that, but I believe it. I mean, the guy was, like you think about, he'd been at SportsCenter since, like the first contract he signed was when SportsCenter was huge, right? Or at least as it got huge. Maybe his second, his third contract. Like SportsCenter was massive. In his prime, yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things, it tends to be, if you're somewhere 30 years, like you only make more money, you only get raises. Now, maybe there'd been a pay cut somewhere along the way of some nominal amount, but... Um, he only worked like 115 nights a year. He hadn't been at working one, that at much. 1.5. Well, he disappeared he, for a while, then he came back like part-time, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had, I mean, 1.5 to work his schedule was pretty sweet. You know Did where you Kenny Mayne played football? Uh, Idaho? 
No. Am I close? Geographically, semi close. Washington State, Mountain West School. Now, Reno. Yeah. Uh, UNLV. Quarterback, right? Yeah. Did Did he play? He did. He broke his like you know he does like all the work with like the um, ankle support devices for like veterans who've suffered injuries. Like he he uh, broke. He had like a really bad injury, ankle injury. Had to be like carted off the field. And so he has, you know, so that's why he's put a lot of energy into his work with like veterans. And they've got, he's got some device that, you know, I, I think it's pretty expensive. It's hard for people to get. He helps like veterans get it that helps like support your ankle so you can use your foot again. Wow. I, I, I think I had read an article a couple weeks ago when he had announced that he was done, that he had played quarterback. Like that's, that's pretty cool. I always like those little nuggets. Yeah. It's a good nugget. Dan played hoops at Dayton, right? Dan played hoops. Patrick. Like, honestly, like, I gain a little respect for Kenny Mayne. Like, I can see why some guys just... I think he's a Seattle guy. Marshawn yeah. was buddies. Yeah. Did you watch the entire interview or just the... I just watched the clips. I just watched clips, yeah. It, to me, like, what I don't understand about Aaron, because he was clearly comfortable enough letting it be known, like, kind of how he feels, right? Like, he wasn't going to say nothing. He wasn't going to give a completely PC interview you might do during the season at your team where you're just not going to give anything away like he was he was acknowledging not only is there an issue but it ain't Devonte or the group right gave jordan love said specifically likes the kid right it's not his deal the coaching staff which lafleur is going to fall under that umbrella in that group basically like gudikins and murphy you guys run a terrible culture so he kind of called them like to me aaron once you're going to talk shit We'll get into Kepka here in a, a second. What I respect about Brooks is it was pretty clear, right? Like, he he wasn't hiding anything. If you're going to talk shit, I, you can't really do it halfway. Just blast him. Like, what's the difference of what he did? And instead of just going, yeah, I just do not like the general manager and the president of the team. Like, would that have been that much more explosive than ultimately what he did? Because he kind of did it anyway. I... Um I do think it would have been more explosive. Like, I don't think you can half-ass when you're putting someone on blast, and that's what he did. But that's, I mean, that's how, you know, I heard Russillo call it, he talked like he was doing an Instagram post, you know, where it's like, you know, it's just like kind of nebulous, it's not exactly clear who or what, and you leave yourself deniability. What he didn't say spoke volumes, right, in terms of who he didn't name, so you're right, I agree with you. I do think it would have been explosive if he had said, you know, I don't have... However, you, how I mean, if he said, I don't respect the GM, that would have been really explosive. But if he had just said it simply, um, I can't work with the management there. I think our uh, relationship has been uh, irreparably broken, and I'm just not willing to go back to Green Bay. If he had said that, I do think that would have been significantly I, large. I mean, just yeah, think about Julio, I, like, kind of like, I'm out of here. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going back. And it's what everybody knew, and it just made the story 10 times bigger. If if Aaron he had didn't, said that he, with a, he didn't officially say I'm out, right? No. Kenny said, so are you demanding a trade? And he just started talking about what a what, uh, curly Lambo and like people <laughs> <laughs> and Farvey. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's walking this really, he's trying to, it might be that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore, period. Not doesn't want to be in Green Bay because of management. He might just not want to be in Green Bay and can't say that. To me, if it's not that, and we saw it with Julio, I think the fastest way to get traded, if he really wants to be traded, it seems like that's what he wants, the fastest way to get traded is to say, Brian Gutekinds and I just can't coexist. And I think it's just time for me to move on. Like, you say it that way, straight up. Now, the follow-up question is, Aaron, why can't you guys coexist? 
and like I was texting you earlier, the problem is sometimes things that are real issues internally in a particular relationship, if you say them out loud to people who don't understand the dynamic, it can sound stupid. Um, I used an example with you just in our radio history. We had some run-ins with, with management and some of them, I could tell the story in two minutes and it'd be crystal clear. Everybody would go, yeah, okay, I see that. But there's a few of them that if I told the story, it'd be like, you guys are children. <laughs> we'd be like, yeah, maybe, but it wasn't just uh, like, we wouldn't look good necessarily. And so I do wonder if there are some things here with Aaron where is Aaron's main beef, they didn't call him before they drafted Jordan Love? Because if that's the case, you'd go, okay, I do think Aaron deserved that respect. But can he say that out loud? And look like the good guy? I don't think so. Well, here, here's one issue. Our radio example. Even if we did really give the nitty-gritty of a certain situation, well, we're making 90 grand or whatever. Now, granted, we're just doing a two-hour show. So for people are like, damn, you can pay that to just do a two-hour show. No, there's more to it, right? You got to watch. Now, you can do other jobs as well. But the point is, it, we weren't multimillionaires. When you are like... Dan Patrick or Colin Coward, for example, their complaints, if they wanted to complain about the same thing we complained at, it's harder when you're making eight, nine, ten million dollars. Like we were relatable wages. Rogers, and I'm just using Dan or Colin, is making triple, quadruple what those guys are making. Who can relate to a guy having issues with a with kind I mean his boss kinda? Like Rogers doesn't answer to Gudikins, right? I mean it's it's technically it's right. weird. Aaron makes $37 million a year. So when you make that type money, like so much more money than even like, if you're in the top 1% if you make like 500 grand. So Rodgers makes 500 grand. He makes like 37. He'd make a couple million dollars a game. Who can relate to the money? And I think when you get super rich, having known a couple people that aren't that rich, but are rich, I think they have a hard time. Like you have a, why you have a small circle is because like any human, like us normal people, if you make just normal wages, right? Normal living, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand, whatever, you can still relate to a lot of people. When you start making $5 million, $20 million, 37 a year, when you factor in State Farm, Aaron might be, what, what, if I said he makes $50 million a year for the last five years, like would you, if I told you he actually makes more, is that believable? Yeah, it is believable. And so if you're really in, talking about true wealth, who knows where he's got his money invested and other things, right? So he's at a he's at a level with money that is so far like such a small small percentage, but your complaints typically revolve kind of around money, right? It's like well the contract, he, it's hard for him to complain and not give off the, you know I'm kind of this hippie lib, you know he he wants to have it both ways and it's a hard spot to be in because his whole vibe is like I'm the, I'm kind of like Kenny, right? That's his whole thing. I'm like this intellectual. Kenny? Kenny Maine. Oh. You know, like they, they're on the same, they're like similar vibes. Like just chill. Well, his vibe in the life. interview was. Yeah. I mean, look at his hair. But my point is he can't then come off like he's, you know, some Steve Jobs, right? It's, it's a hard spot for him to be in. I think he's lost in no man's land when you factor in his money. If I, if, if I'm complaining and I'm just working a normal job at 50 grand, I can start airing out everyone. And most people that are going to be listening even if you make way more than that, are going to be able to relate to some of it. It's hard, I think, when you make huge money. No one wants to hear your problems. Yeah. Especially if it's like, you know, 
Wait, I just wanted a text from Gutekind. Like it could be something pretty stupid. It could be stupid, but it's also it also goes to show fifty million or fifty thousand. Like there are some basic human emotions that everybody has, regardless of how much money they have in the bank. And I think one thing it's clear from him. One thing he did say, like they wanted to move on from me, and then I threw a wrench in the whole thing by playing like an MVP. And so the so to me on the most basic level, he knows they wanted to move on from him after last year. And now he wants to leave them before they can leave him. The question is, is there more to it? Like, did they did they disrespect him in the process of all of it? Or does he just view the fact that that was their plan disrespect, right? Because it's not just about the draft picks. They didn't, uh, they didn't give him a contract that indicated they wanted him there for another three years after last year, that sort of thing. Um, so I, you know, again, I... Now, if I wanted to counter my argument... Unlike normal people jobs, we know how much people make in pro sports. And I think most people acknowledge, like, yeah, he's elite. Like, why wouldn't you tell him? Like, he he gets a lot of credit for being how great he is, right? And I th- most people go, yeah, he should be the highest paid quarterback in the league, right? That's, But really, I think his problems boil down to he's a human. Gudekins is a human. They probably, in, whatever their problem is, or Murphy are going to be interactions that you and I would have in a business, anyone listening would have, at just a much lower rate. You're like, oh, you couldn't swallow your pride there for, you know, just well, shut I, up. Yeah, I know, but I think that you, you've been at the level that he's been at for as long as he's been at that level. It's like, you don't get to treat me like, you know, the practice squad receiver. Like, it's not but how I, this works. But, but, but don't you think he would have uh, universal approval if he would have said that? Like, yeah, I, I deserve to be in the loop more. I'm Aaron freaking Rogers. Like, I don't think most people would have been like arrogant asshole, but that's back to what I'm saying. When yeah. you have that hippie vibe, his whole kind of shtick, which is kind of just him. See, he doesn't, there's a balance. He doesn't want to come off like that. He's, he's sneaky. Like he tries to play, like he tries to normalize. Like I'm just a guy's guy. Unlike Russell Wilson, who's just feels like a caricature. Aaron does try to breathe the vibe. Like I know a guy like that. Right. But he also because I know guys that know him and they're like, yeah, there's just a lot of normal, like the same stuff you would get from anybody of yours. You get from Aaron. I agree. I bet he has more in common. Like if you and I hung out with Aaron Rodgers for afternoon, it would probably be infinitely more normal than it would Russell Wilson. Right. It'd be a lot easier to talk. I think you could easily talk about stuff that's not. He'd probably prefer maybe to talk about stuff that's not football related. Right. You know, granted, we'd have just geographical stuff in common with him, but. Overall, I, I think the average guy, 35-year-old, could probably just spend an afternoon with Aaron and some beers much easier than they go to the Russell Wilson. And that's it's a testament. Like, I do think there's some normalness to Aaron, but there's also, it's hard once you become that famous and that great at what you do and make that much money to also just hold, like, because ultimately you're going to talk about things. Like, what'd you do last week? Well, I went to the... $10 million house I bought in Malibu. Right? They're just going to be things, sure. conversations I, that people can't relate to. I, this is what I, if I was sitting down with him, I'd say, look, man, I, I think you can say, uh, Brian and I just don't get along, and I, you know, uh, they wanted to get rid of me, um, so I don't want to be there anymore. And I'm, I'm ready to go somewhere else, and I'm not going to play for them any longer. Um, it's not a healthy environment for me, and uh, you know, I need to be traded. I think you could just say that. Again, it's always easy when you're in – this when you're sitting on this end to be like Aaron just say that it's a lot easier to say you should just say that than it is to actually say it when you're yeah. in that person's position but um his teammates too I think he likes a lot of the guy right you don't want to 
there's a balance. Like, well, but but you would like to go back to what we talked about when Dilfer was on Rusillo's podcast a few weeks ago. Like s- identifying that it's the GM that you don't want to be a part, you don't want to work with anymore, gets you off the hook from making it about you know making your teammates look bad. Like you're not saying uh, I can't win with these guys. You're just saying I don't want to work with that guy. And then it's not about Devonte or anybody else. John Kuhn, is he still on the team or did he retire? Uh, I think he retired. AJ Hawk smoking his uh... AJ Hawk smoking a cigar <laughs> on YouTube in his uh, in his library with a with a not great Zoom connection. <laughs> He's clearly tight with the Rodgers because he went with him to the Kentucky Derby. Oh yeah, I mean they're probably similar age, right? I mean. I, Devonte is probably one of his closer, younger teammates, and a, I mean a big part Look, of it is, of course, they are. Bottom line, not saying what he didn't say extends this thing, and I think yeah. to some degree he enjoys that. He enjoys making them squirm, and by not making it definitive, he just drags this thing out and makes them squirm, and eventually knows they're going to have to answer some questions. Now, Gudikins, the first time he talked, uh, handled it well, but Lafleur talked today. Lafleur talked today. Did Jordan Love was Jordan Love two of two in uh, team drills today? What what did he do? Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet that Lafleur said he looked good. Okay, honestly, it's Rogers that would throw a, good. That would throw another wrench into this whole thing. It's like, oh, actually, Jordan Love's ready to roll. Like he is the MVP of the league. He does not need to go to OTAs. It is a pretty easy one for Lafleur. Just give him all the reps, right? Yeah, Jordan Love just gets all the need. Like Aaron does not need the reps. Do you think he shows up at training camp though? Uh no. Then that becomes a pretty explosive story. Do you? Because like, or do you feel the, like then it's like you you become the bad guy if you don't show I, up? I don't. I, I I honestly I it'd be a coin flip fifty fifty. I'd believe either one. He's really not going to show up like that if he doesn't show up to Packers training camp. This story gets pretty explosive. Because what is he just going to like show up in week two if they don't trade him, or is it like I'm not going to play anymore? Like what what's your end game? That's a great question. I, I, I think the end game might just be, all right, I, I work for you guys, but just for the record, like I'm showing up at 6.59 for 7 o'clock work. Maybe that's his end game. Yeah, but that know. then gets a hard position in his, you know, in his spot when I know. he's a quarterback. I know. Because, again, if he really wants to get traded, put the put more pressure on right now by saying, I can't work for Brian Budik- That's That's what I'm saying, though, guy. Like He, I, he had the opportunity to just – he could have said something that wasn't that explosive. That just like, yeah, this is, you know, it's not fixable. Like it's over. And he he kind of, and I don't blame him. He is part of, you know, a top ten sports brand, right? The Green Bay Packers. You could factor in some international team. Like it is a massive brand in this country. It's probably a top five brand in America, right? If you just went Yankees, Lakers, Cowboys, like the Packers are up there high. And he he's known as a legend, and really he's kind of known as yeah he's at our, this guy was actually better than Brett, who we love the most. And I don't think he wants to ruin the relationship. It's like he wants to break up with his girlfriend, but he's not breaking up with his girlfriend because he doesn't really like her. It's like he does still like wants, her. He, he still wants, wants to, to use her up, parents like uh, season tickets. Yeah, and he still wants to be have a good relationship. Country with her, club access. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to live with her anymore. But it's not that easy. It's like well, start packing your shit and see how it goes. <laughs> you know. Can your dad, can by the way, can your dad get me on at uh, La Jolla? <laughs> yeah. 
Can you place a call? I'm gonna be in uh, I'm gonna be in the Georgia area. I know he's got a friend there yeah, at Augusta. You, you work for Marriott. Would you mind getting me? Uh, I'm flying to Hawaii with uh, just a couple friends. Could you get me a hotel? A little discount? Can I use the jet? By the way, how about um, how about this day today? Huh? Can we can we celebrate, John? All people, me and people like me. Speaking of quarterback contracts, Guy Fieri signing a three-year, $80 million contract extension with Team Food Network. I mean, how about our guy, huh? That's I don't have a list of, like, air quotes, guys, but this guy, my guy, 80 mil, three years? That is, that is special. I, I heard someone like say NBA, this. You know, he like short. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go seven years. See what the landscape looks like in three. It does feel like a lot. Now, I, I I saw someone say that his content is pretty evergreen, and he's right. I mean, not he didn't guy didn't say that, but someone on I think Twitter. It is dinner drivers and dines is an incredible show, and if you're ever and, bored, and it's on. guys grocery games is on all the time. Do you like that show? No, but a lot of people do. Oh, you know, where you just have to make random meals with random stuff. Well, here's one. It's funny. That show was on the other day, and I'm watching it thinking. Is that the show you're talking about? Yeah, where they just, you're in a grocery store. You're in like Safeway or yeah. whatever, and you got to make. But they have stuff. their own grocery store built. So I'm watching that show thing, and there's, this is an expensive set that they've got. Yeah, I'll, g- I'll give you peanut butter. I'll give you caviar. I'll give you a baguette, and I'll give you caramel. Make something. And, and they do make incredible stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. it looks pretty good. Yep. So. Do you think that show's more popular than Dinners, Drive-Ins, and Dines? I think Triple D is obvious is the flagship original. Um, is it more popular? I I don't know. I feel like I there's definitely more new episode newish episodes. I think of Triple G than Triple D. What was the name of the uh, deli we used to go to? That was a uh, Triple Miller's, D spot. Miller's Miller's Deli Miller's. on Polk Street. Man, that was that place was good. Closed. Doesn't several exi- years ago. Seriously? Several years ago, it closed. Yeah. Gotcha. The sandwich. Uh, the sandwiches. Oh. What was that oh, one called? My. With the Russian dressing, the coleslaw. Oh, was it, was it the, the Luca? Ruben? No, it was like a Luna or a Luca. The, yeah, it was some with an L. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was the Luca or the Luna. It was, it was so incre- I mean, it was to it was a automatic nap. Oh my! It was. It was oh, and it was because guy had gone there. If anybody knows where somebody, uh, do you know somebody, Barstool broke that story? Yeah, <laughs> Glenny Balls yeah. broke the story. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I big day for eaters. And and Jewish people named Guy. That's that's where my attention went. <laughs> oh, that is true. There's is not Jewish? a long list of us. I don't think so. Fieri, no. Big Raider guy. Big Raider guy. Also, you and Does he live in Napa? Uh, probably. I don't know. Probably. I watched a show he did like in the in the shutdown. Uh, another version of Guy's Grocery Games where they showed a bunch of old episodes, and his son had him remake some of the items in his own home kitchen, and his son talks just like him. <laughs> And How old is this kid? Uh, I don't, it's hard to tell. 20s, it felt like. Gotcha. Um, hard to tell how old Guy is because the hair, he can kind of pass for 42, but he can also be like, 54. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, but don't you agree? Like, he can kind of pass for younger for because sure. of the hair and the look. 53. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got the the great spectrum of, like, some people probably just like, yeah, he's 43, and he could, he's what, 53? 53, yep. Does it say where he was born? Uh, Pet- I think Petaluma. Uh, okay. I thought he was on that side, like the North Bay. Yeah, that feels... Is- I mean, he spent some time up there, right? It says uh, Columbus, Ohio is where he was born. But then he grew up in Ferndale in rural Humboldt County. During high oh, school, so like he was he- a foreign exchange student in France. 
And that's God, where he developed his interest for food and cooking. And then he, he went to UNLV. Got a degree in a science uh, BS in hotel management. Then he went and worked at Stouffer's. Oh. They used to have yeah. incredible frozen lasagna that I used to eat a lot when I was a fat kid in like junior so. high. That's impressive because that takes effort. You got to like put that in the mic. You got to like. You got to micro. Yeah, you got to microwave it, it for like four and a half minutes, but it's pretty so good. That's patience. You cook a lot now, would you say? I would not say no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you have a cook at your house. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, one of my favorite snacks was dry ramen noodles, peanut butter and jelly, and a glass of milk and Sports Illustrated. That was fucking dry ramen. You just crushed up the bag, you know, like open the bag, put the powder in, crush it up, put it in a bowl, made a PB and J, got a glass of milk, got got the SI. You wouldn't put any warm water in the ramen. No, eat it dry. Too much effort. You'd have to clean. You'd have to wait. You'd have to no. Eat it dry. PB and J, glass of milk, and that's how your mom orders from the husky part of the JC Penny catalog. That'll put on Try true formula. Try true formula. All right. Somebody on uh, YouTube, we were going to talk about this anyway, but this is perfect, said, uh, I need a whole pod. This is uh, one, two, three, high tech. We need a whole pod on Brooks versus Bryson. LOL. I think we can talk about that in the same context as we can talk about the great um, golf ratings from the weekend because golf did very well this weekend. F1 did pretty well if you combine their ESPN2 and their ABC rating. I think it might have been over a million viewers. Uh, what was the number on Sunday's PGA Championship? Peaked at 13 million, which is like an NFL number. I think it was pretty steady at the high sixes, it w- which the, the Laker game did four. Which is, yeah, I mean... The Knicks game did three that was after the PGA. To me, that three was like, damn, I thought the Knicks would do like four or five. Yeah. Because the Yankees, when they're in the playoffs, does a lot, right. right? I mean, I think the Yankees, when you put them on ESPN on Sunday night, does a couple million. So it's, I thought the Knicks number, now they were a little out of nowhere, but still was more alarming than the Laker number. Warriors would have done a bigger number in that spot. I agree. Now, like as someone, I'm not going to pump my chest out because it was a historic moment with Phil, right? If it was Louis versus Brooks and Phil had missed the cut, it would not have done, peaked at 13 million in average high sixes, right? You agree? Mm hmm. But. If one thing golf has shown, what would rattle me if I was like Adam Silver or baseball or these other things, Tiger Woods was in, we saw that picture that went viral, which is cool. Clearly he was going to watch a soccer game with maybe Charlie was in it and the the kid with cancer and Charlie, Tiger's on crutches, right? Like still a long time removed. With like the full leg sleeve. It's yeah. Alex like, yeah. Right. So like you want like, Tiger had nothing to do with this. To me, you could always sound like, oh, Tiger Woods outrated us. Like, what are we going to do? Right? And you tip your hat. Phil's outrating you? Like, that's... And I, I do think the power of golf, I've been saying for a while, more people are playing than ever. That's not even arguable. Anyone that plays any just random public golf knows when they go to get a tee time, the place is a pack consistently now for a year. Well, remember last year during the PGA Championship, one of the stories was that a lot of the of the 20 pros, a lot of them had not been able to practice because they've been so busy actually working at their courses that are so busy. Oh, like the Brad Merrick types. Yeah. They like, I remember one of the guys had played like three practice rounds to get ready for the PGA championship because he was too busy running his course. Yeah. So, so that's been going strong for a year. The the other thing, and I, I've been beating this drum for a long time is that gambling and golf while hard, well, it's hard if you just pick winners, which is probably it's it's safer to pick top tens and matchups and probably attack it differently than I do. 
but you and I have been in the fantasy game now for about a year, golf fantasy. I, you and I are not normal fantasy players. We never played in high school, in college. I'm not part of leagues with friends. Like I didn't do that. You aspired to call the games. I aspired to work in the games. I, I, I always thought fantasy was stupid. Then I started playing fantasy golf, and I was like, this is freaking sweet. And I, we've had a lot of people that have got in. They're like, I don't even like golf, and I do, and it's pretty fun. And so fantasy really works for golf. Gambling. Like when a guy withdraws or whatever, there is somewhat random. But for the most part, you gamble on a guy, he's playing in the tournament. The other day, I've been saying this a while in basketball. They've battled this rest thing for a while. But they also battle. The NFL has by far the best transparency with injuries. That You are rarely like, where is so-and-so on game day? Like you have an idea going in. Worst case, you're like, well, they're going to work them out before the game. You know what you're getting. Donovan Mitchell, it was said he was going to play. He was going to play. And then they call him right before the game, and he's out. Like, that never happens in, in, in football. You can't gamble on basketball when shenanigans are happening like that. Golf has so many things that are built in that are like football. Plus, when you get a big event, like their majors, like the players, like the Ryder Cup will be, it's a big event. Like, there's urgency. There's no, like... There's not much urgency to the PGA Championship right now. Some of the tournaments that I may watch and most people won't, there isn't. But there are six or seven big events feel pretty freaking big, right? And if they get the right players in the mix Saturday and Sunday, their room for growth as a sport is really, really high, I think. It's tough. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I do think the Phil thing is kind of an outlier. Phil well, is kind of Tiger-esque. If Phil was 22 or 24, 20, you know, if they had done that number with Colin Morikawa winning, that would be like I, But I said that. Blood. I'm, I'm No, I know you are. I'm just saying, I do think Phil, I do think Phil is closer to Tiger. Just well, he given, was Tiger's rival. And he's been right? in the sport 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. I mean, you can build up just a lot of people that casually know you over 30 years. So I do think that's pretty unique. But still, the NBA should be able to compete with that. They've got some – they should be able to I, – I, and I've said this for ye, for several years now. I think their biggest problem is their regular – there was no buildup to their postseason because their regular season just doesn't matter anymore. And to a large degree, it's become non-competitive over the last several years. And part of that is rest. Um, so th- that's a major element. I I think Steph would be – Steph, we've, we talked about this the other day, can cover some of that stuff up because he is – I think the number one TV product the NBA has, and so that hurts. But this is where I go back to golf, and this is why these things are connected. Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka have an actual real rivalry, driven more by by Brooks than by Bryson. Bryson, Bry- Bryson talked some shit. He, I think last year after Corona said he only has a two-pack, and then Brooks showed the trophies, I, and then Brooks said he was on steroids. No, he's not an innocent bystander. <laughs> There's no question. But I think Brooks kind of keeps bringing it up. That interview that came out, um, it's funny. We talked about it with Julio. Did Julio know he was on the air? Brooks, Brooks kind of at the end of his things, what, what was said was, oh, we're going to laugh back at the compound of that one. And Brooks is like, yeah, it's fine with me or whatever he said. And some people are taking that to mean that Brooks was saying, yeah, put it on the air. I don't care. I don't think Brooks would, even if Brooks wasn't saying that, I don't think he would care about that being out. But I know this, I saw early, the joke was like, shout out to the intern who released that. Like intern was probably commissioner of the, of golf that released that piece of video because it's well, who, who owns the golf channel oh exactly <laughs> so it golf 
Well, does the does the tour <laughs> yeah. own it or the? Yeah, I, the, I think they're the in, tour. they're heavily. Yeah, I I think it's partners, but they're involved. So they control it. It's so good for the sport. The beauty of golf is the beauty of any individual sport, of which there are not many major individual sports, is that guys never change teams. There's no like ah too much player movement. It's irrelevant. You just you you just root for the guy. So, <laughs> yeah. like you said this to me when we were texting this morning. How do you not? And somebody said this in the chat. Like, how do you not pair these guys? Oh, actually, somebody asked the question. How do you? How uh, Todd on YouTube said, how do they pair golfers for event? After seeing Brooks's reaction, how do you not pair these guys for the next PGA event? They just well, they they can do whatever choose. they want. Yeah, I mean, they choose main groups, and that's why the star players play with each other. They're called feature groups. Now, you know. I know the rankings might not say this. Based on last weekend, these are the two best American players. And, and really, there's five American players to me that really matter. Brooks, Bryson, DJ, JT. I, I, I mean, I think Xander gets talked about like that. I I don't know. Well, it but matters how. I'm just saying, like, art, like if you're just picking, like, a top five for the Ryder Cup. Oh, for like the Ryder Cup. Okay. Because like I was going to say Patrick Reed matters in terms of just like he's kind of a character yeah, he, figure. Yeah, he's in the group too. And there are a lot of Tony Fina. There are other American guys. But I'm just saying like I would say DJ, JT, Brooks, and Bryson are like our star four American guys. Like just they're the Rory, the Rom, internet. Like they are just the dudes now that Phil and Tiger are kind of done and that older crew. The problem is going to be this because I, I think it's insane if you don't pair them together. They're not going to want to play together. No, and the U.S. Open, for example, at Torrey Pines. Bryson's the defending champ. Brooke has, Brooks won it twice, right? I think it's 17 and 18. And then I forget who, Gary Woodland won it in 19 at the Pebble, and then Bryson won it last year. There's no chance that if they have any say, and it's a players-run tour. Like, the NBA is not a players-run league, even though they do run the league, right? So, But I would, can you imagine Torrey Pines, San Diego, if the featured group is just Bryson Brooks, and I, honestly, you could throw in the, a random guy. You don't even need another star. That would be pretty difficult, awkward for the, whoever that other person is. Like you kind of, I would say, to be fair to the third person, you almost need somebody who, like, wouldn't care. Is a big maybe somebody like DJ who just wouldn't well, care. Well, I, I, I think you could throw Phil in there pretty seamlessly. <laughs> friends with them both. Would Phil just acknowledge? <laughs> would Phil just make fun of the whole thing? But Problem is, you, Brooks would get. It's like, wait, I gotta wait for Phil, and I gotta wait. Like, I, I get Tiger and Phil. Like, Tiger is not going to want to play with Phil, right? Or you would never do anything in Tiger's heyday that would make him uncomfortable. You just wouldn't. I mean, it would be stupid for business, right? Just like back in the day with Pete Sampras or Roger Federer, like, you're placating to them. Bryson and Brooks ain't big enough stars to dictate anything. I, I, you have to do it sooner or later, right? That you got to put these two guys. You lean into it. On one of them would have to kind of want it. Like, think, does Brooks want it? Like, I can get the well, middle edge. The beauty would be if you. Who get, do you think would not want it the most? Because it feels like Bryson would Brooks. probably want to avoid. I think Brooks would want it less. I think he, he, he gets. Brooks is pretty unflappable, and he clearly gets under his skin. So maybe you're right. Bryson would want it. Brooks plays fast. Bryson plays slow. I think Brooks would hate it more than Bryson because if you watch Bryson. Like Bryson's not the guy at your Muni who like looks over his shoulder and cares that somebody's in the fairway waiting for him. No, like, he's in his own little normal people uncomfortable. It doesn't. He's bother. He's him. in his own world. Yeah, and even you know Brooks playing with Phil, who's 
like you, you know you could tell it was just it wasn't even Phil's fault but there was some stuff that was just slowing him down and it's just not Brooks's thing I I think it'd be really hard for him and uh, I don't you think golf really should really lean into this though I mean I think yeah, they got somebody, a lot of casual Curtis people in the, Curtis in the chat says the tour made Twitter take the video down if that's the case okay but to me they still secretly love it even if they have to publicly pretend like they don't they secretly love it um. You know, and it's what it's what any sport wants. It's what baseball wants. It's what it's what the NBA would love for two of its stars to openly and not, you know, not tweet shit at each other. Like openly, like that. He just looked at him and rolled his eyes as the guy walked <laughs> by, and just was like, "Well, two American players who are elite, right?" And now Brooks is, has pelts on the wall. To me, it, it validates a little more that Bryson won a major. Bryson's clearly a dominant player. The thing with golf, though, like they're going to have to play together. Like these these guys are going to be on the President Cup together. The Ryder Cup is this fall. Like those those two guys aren't like captains' picks. Like they're locks. I mean, they're right. Steve they're, they're get to. yeah. You, those two guys are on the team. Our team, the chemistry. You're gonna Patrick Reed's borderline lock too. Like we got some weird shit going on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're gonna need another like David Duval pep, pep talk. Yeah, to me, I saw that, like, should Phil Mickelson get on the thing? I think you might just bring Phil because you got some explosive personalities. I, like, I, it's not like JT and DJ ain't holding these guys' hands. So at least Phil's like, everyone just calm down. JT's got his I, own I, stuff I would to put worry Phil about. on the team. Would you put Phil on the team? Yes, I would. Like, if you told me Phil got on the team over even, like, a Xander or something, I'd be like, yeah, Xander will have his time. Well, does Phil keep playing? Like, like this other thing. Does Phil, how does, does Phil just maintain some top 20s? Hon- I, honestly, I don't know, even know if it would matter. Like, I just know that he might be able to show up. I mean, if he was terrible, yeah. Phil is just, one of the great, you know, just head-to-head golf players of all time. I'm, I'm, pu- I'm putting him on the squad. Yeah, I like it. Um, What else? What other stuff? Other stuff we need to uh, we need to address here? This has been a good, meaty, um, good, meaty pod. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, on Instagram, on uh, uh, YouTube said, uh, quick question, my brothers, how's Justin Fields doing in training camp? Have you seen any? I have not seen any Justin Fields stuff today. I don't think they have not They didn't have practice. They just had the one rookie minicamp, and I told I was told from a guy, Matt. You know Matt Nagy, he could not show up because one. I think someone in his family or something got Corona. Contact tracing. They had a guy on the field behind the offense with an iPad <laughs> watching the video, like so Matt holding be, the video, holding the stream yeah. up. Holding the stream, and Matt was at his house, and he could watch practice. But a buddy on the staff said, "Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he physically looks pretty sweet. I mean, he just. When, I bet Trey Lance, if you just watch like the ball, it's gonna. Whenever we go to practice, it's gonna look. When you have a powerful arm, I bet Deshaun Kaiser's and the Hackenbergs have moments of practice. We're like, damn, you see that? Even a guy, if he's not that accurate, throwing a hundred miles an hour is gonna strike some guys out that are gonna be like, whoa." <laughs> Troy says, bet on the Raiders. I actually saw, is there over under like seven and a half? I think it's low. I would, Man, I, I don't hate the over on that. It's risky. I guess with the extra game. I, I think I saw seven and a half, but I'd have to go back and triple check that. A lot of people, I'm getting a lot of DMs like, Middlecoff, you gotta, people, they're so desperate. You gotta embrace playoff hockey. It's like, yeah, you know, if I stumble upon it, I respect it. I have a lot. Like, when I was growing up, I didn't respect soccer. I've come around, I respect soccer. But I have a lot of respect for the people on the ice, like the actual players and the toughness and just the intensity. Like, I get it. 
it just doesn't, for whatever reason, I, it just doesn't do that much for me. I wish it did. Because, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand the diehards. I understand just you, the playoff, the intensity. You of even it, watch like, it and go, I get why people love it when you watch it. Yeah. Right? But it just and doesn't awaken like, something within you. I understand why people talk shit about, like, I like golf. Like, I, I get that. But for whatever reason, hockey doesn't and, and I, honestly same you mentioned f1 i'm i've watched tried to watch some races just over like the last six months like car racing whether it's nascar whether it's f1 doesn't do much for me i actually i was i had not considered i was i've been watching the f1 show i hadn't watched in a week or two but i plan to go back you know watch season two finish that one up watch season three after watching some of the monaco <laughs> grand prix on sunday i'm like yeah maybe i won't go back to it the guy that yeah, it's just you know uh, i just Nothing changed. Like, well, like a good, led, just led. Like a good NFL game is a hundred times better than the best Hard Knocks episode ever, right? A good NFL game trumps it. Yeah. It's hard, like a sweet F1 episode or a sweet like Man City behind the scenes Amazon Prime. I don't think the game's better than that. Because <laughs> it gives me some of the highlights from the game, but it also gives me some of the locker room stuff. Like you just give me the football game or like a playoff baseball game or just like a play in that Steph game, like that's, they couldn't do a behind the scenes that's better than that product for me. Right? No. They can't. No. What what makes like Hard Knocks cool is like, I don't really want to watch the fourth quarter of a preseason game. Just show me a couple of the highlights. Now the hard thing, right, on. is like, no, you, no, you don't want, the, the highlights are the worst part of the game. Unless there's like something like, like where's so-and-so? Like, it, <laughs> get in the game. It's like, ah, coach. <laughs> Um, it's punt! It's punt, you idiot! <laughs> uh, now, the difference, like, you watch football long before Hard Knocks came along, right? There are a lot of people who yeah. watch racing or watch soccer long before those other shows. Those other shows, like, we are the people who they do, like, the mainstream draft show. Like, when the NFL draft a few years ago, they, like, put one on ABC, and that show was, like, focus on the stories, right? Remember that? It was ma- mainly death. If someone died around you. No, well, they did that on the whole. They did that on all the drafts. But there was like the the ABC one. It was going to be geared more towards less hardcore football fans. Yeah. Like, you know, Jimmy's dog had cancer. If they battled through Here's it. Here's an interview with the his, third round. Yeah. But they, I think they did death on the whole thing. That one was extra death. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that, that was year. death plus. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I like death plus on my ABC broadcast, please. Or just sick or just anything that just, God, this is kind of a downer. Yeah. There was death plus. It felt like, obviously it's part of some kid's story and it should be said. It did feel like they were force feeding it on some guys. Yeah. The NBA draft did it. Uh, the NBA last year drafted too. the same. They did the same thing. It was like, like Onyeka Okongwu drafted Onyeka. Your brother died when you were young. It's like, whoa, that's yeah, a lot. But anyway, um, okay. I think we had a lot of stuff today. Yeah, long pod, bro. All right, y'all. Peace. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.